0: Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, national multi-racial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. When you're a job seeker or looking for a promotion, you've got to have the eye of the tiger. The search for employment and on the job success in a highly competitive job market requires that you prepare yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally. You may have financial problems, suffer rejection, fail to receive responses or acknowledgments to your resumes and telephone calls, and even be ignored at work. Please, please don't be embarrassed to acknowledge how you feel and do something about it. The Holistic Route to Managing Anxiety by Maria Tabone, who's today's guest, is just one available resource that offers a number of options for managing the stress and anxiety you're probably experiencing now through the coronavirus crisis, and you'll likely experience on your journey to employment success. Additional resources are provided in my book, Get the Job Done. Both Maria's book and my book are available on Amazon.com. Now, let me make this perfectly clear. Maria Tabone is not a physician. She is not providing medical advice. She is participating in this podcast solely as a guest, solely as a guest to share her employment journey listeners should contact a medical professional for medical advice and treatment. Welcome, Maria. Thank you, Beverly. It's very nice to be with you. Now, I've known you for a while. How did you become interested in integrative health and healing and exactly what is that? Right. Well, it was many years ago. I was probably in my early
1: 20s and a few things were happening in my life. My mother was very ill at the end of her life with pancreatic cancer. and At the same time, I was working in a job that I loved the company, but the person that I was reporting to was extremely difficult to work for. So I started developing, out of the blue, hives, huge hives, and I'm getting some vertigo-like symptoms, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I realized later after going to a physician actually who had a very Eastern philosophy telling me, you know, this is stress, this is anxiety. And so I started getting into yoga and meditating because he said to me, you know, this is something you can't cure with a pill. This is something that you're going to have to work out on your own. You know, the job you will have to make a decision about. And your mother, you know, obviously pancreatic cancer is a very fatal cancer. He said, and that grief you're dealing with now, but you will continue to deal with. So I started doing yoga and doing some meditation and realized that that was helping. I mean, for me, the, the definition of integrative health and healing, it's not to say that you push aside conventional medicine, but it's the integration of maybe the very best of what Western medicine has to offer combined with the best of... Eastern medicine. So if you're just saying maybe you have, whether it's diabetes or high blood pressure, right? So those are stressful things. Well, integrate some meditation, some yoga, some deep breathing exercises, things to help you with your anxiety, but also those things help your body heal. We also know that doctors only studied five hours of nutrition training in medical school. So now what's happening, they're integrating that more, integrating nutrition, because nutrition is really the um, foundation of good health. So and things like massage and acupuncture, you know, mostly a lot of these practices that come from the East. So it's just bringing those two together and really how you live your life. You know, your stress level, are you doing the work you love? So all of those things are
0: really a part of the integrated health and healing model. Well, that's helpful. At least now I understand the connection. Now you have two master's degrees, Maria, a master's in integrative health and healing and a master's in nutrition and health. How and why did you make the decision to acquire two graduate degrees? Right. Well, you know, I'm a
1: lifelong learner, so I love learning and, and getting educated. But the first one, which was integrative health and healing, it was very experiential and quite honestly, I put zero thought into that. What happens is once you start studying one thing, whether it's herbal medicine, energy healing, nutrition, herbs, yoga, you want more, you want to learn more because one leads to another and they're all connected in some way. So this master's degree program was in Connecticut and I did for two years, one weekend a month I spent there. It was such a wonderful experience to learn every weekend was something different. And I wanted to really leave my current career, the career that I was in at the time, to do that full-time. But that degree really wasn't specific enough to launch me into something else. And again, because you're not a doctor, it's a very weird spot to be in. But then as I progressed, I, I got a lot of degrees in certifications, in nutrition, in different forms of cooking for health. But I decided that now, Conventional medicine has come around in in like the past five or ten years or so to really recognize how important nutrition is. And there are a lot of certification programs out there, and they are wonderful. But for me personally, I felt that if I knew that doctors are referring people to referring patients to see nutritionists and nutrition consultants. So I felt it was important for me to have a degree. And that's why I went back to school
0: to do the graduate degree in nutrition and health. Well, why don't you share your employment journey with our listeners, your trajectory thus far? Yes. So
1: most of my career has been spent in media and entertainment as an executive assistant slash project manager. And if working for the C-suite, which is high level executives on the corporate floor, mostly CEOs, chairmen. And so I've been doing that for many, many years. But of course, on the side is where I've been studying and building a client base and building products and building a business
0: on the side with my holistic health practice. You say building your holistic practice on the side. So you're talking about multiple incomes, multiple income streams.
1: Yes, and I, and I do think that's important. I think throughout my whole career, I've always feel that like you're job hunting, even when you have a job. So I've been in major corporations most of my career in media. I went from Viacom. I worked for A and E. I worked for Time Warner, which is now Warner Media, in the chairman's office. But all through that time, you know, I always felt like you have to make sure you're you're always marketable and always think about that other stream of income that you could possibly bring in because you just never know. And especially now where the paradigm has shifted, when I first started working, you people stayed at jobs, you know, 20 years, 30 years, and you retire from that particular job. But the paradigm's so different now. People stay at a job, millennials, they stay at jobs three years. That's usually about the time and then they move on. And again, with the volatility of companies, you just don't know. So, I think it's important to think
0: about another stream of revenue and doing something that you love is even better. Right. If you can, it's always love what you do. You love what you do. You'll never work a day in your life. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll buy that. So, you know, with all the various jobs you've had, what are some of the challenges you faced?
1: You know, I think that one of the skills that you have to hone is working with people. It sounds very simple. But I think you have to really recognize that everyone's different. You're working with people at different levels. From my experience specifically, when you are an executive assistant, it doesn't matter whether you work for the chairman or whoever you work for. It's it's a very strange thing. That job is, is considered like you're the low man on the totem pole. So you have to understand that you're going to be faced with people that are going to look at you and... Think that you are, you know, you fit the profile of a secretary from the 1950s that gets coffee. Now, that's nothing like what an executive assistant does. So I think you have to have enough self-worth and believe in yourself and be strong enough to be in this type of a job. Because, you know, I face those challenges of you can come up with ideas and have, you know, you think you have great ideas and you present them. If it came from somebody who's a vice president, they'll listen to it. But if it comes from you, they won't. So I think it, you know, that some of the challenges that I faced in the job. And if you're working in a job and you're working for somebody high level, you have to distance yourself in some way from co-workers. And I I don't mean that to sound negative, but when you work for CEO, a lot of confidential information comes your way. You will learn things about your company that no one else knows and that they're not meant to ever know or not meant to find out for months. And you really have to be very cautious about how you develop relationships with your coworkers. So I think it's really, I've made it practice my whole career that I don't, if other coworkers, you know, they'll go out after work, they'll go for a drink, or now people have their own chat rooms. I don't do any of that because I feel that it's important for me to distance myself. I don't want to hear the gossip. I don't want to, I don't want to be involved. I don't even want to be in that circle. So I think there's, you know, for me, that's been something over the years. It's been a challenge because I've worked with wonderful, wonderful people. But again, professionally, I had to distance myself.
0: That's sound advice. I mean, I think it's a personal choice. If you engage, if you join the after work festivities, you assume the risk. Right. You assume the risk of being present when someone engages in inappropriate conduct and an investigation comes up. You 're interviewed and you have to tell the truth. if you weren't there, you wouldn't be able to testify. You would be able to say, "I wasn't present, I don't know right It's a difficult choice because when you like the people you work with, it's not unusual to socialize with them. but you do have to be careful you're absolutely right yes and I, you know, and when we're doing
1: it as a like as a company event for me that that's totally different. Well, oh no, absolutely. Yeah, and that's where, you know, I will of course always participate be part of the team, but it's those because sometimes, not all the time, people will get together specifically to vent. And again, because I've worked for the high-level
0: people, I never felt it was appropriate for me to engage in that. No, absolutely. I mean, even as a company executive when there was a holiday party, I wouldn't stay long because I didn't want you, where there's alcohol, people have a tendency to over imbibe, shall we say? Exactly. I didn't want to witness anything that might be problematic after the fact. So it was like I'd go, I'd stay for maybe a half hour, and then I'd excuse myself and leave. Exactly. With this current public health crisis and the social distancing that we, we're mandated to employ, it's causing a great deal of stress. It's In fact, it's stressing a lot of people out. And as we know, it's not easy to manage stress. How do you manage stress? What do you do? Yeah. So I make a practice of, you know, with a 24-7
1: news cycle, and I recommend this to my clients. Again, it sounds something very simple, but don't listen to the news 24-7. Shut it off Tune in once a day, and even if you don't tune in now, I, I did an um, experiment and didn't tune in for a couple of days at all. But I'm still getting alerts on my phone from certain times. I get an alert on my. So you're still keyed into the information. You're still getting information, but it's not that constant flow of. Right now, it's all bad news. So while you want to stay informed, you know, you, you just don't want to go into, you know, into a solitary. But you you need to limit what comes into your psyche because the more of those negative thoughts that you put in your head, you take them to sleep with you and they build and then they create great anxiety. And we already have anxiety because we know what's happening. And in addition to that, this is where a lot of these alternative methods come in. I love aromatherapy. And whatever's pleasing to you, but lavender is very relaxing. Chamomile is very relaxing. The citrus oils will help lift depression. So it's great to have a diffuser to be diffusing those into your room. Again, deep breathing. It's three deep breaths a day are so helpful to calm you down and it's really oxygen they say in ayurveda which is the indian system of medicine oxygen is the best medicine you know really deep breathing and deep breathing is also good for your lungs which is is where this virus is attacking so it's really really helpful i also recommend and i drink herbal teas you know now is not the time to be drinking double expressos and energy drinks herbal teas Chamomiles. Um, there's many great herbal teas on the market. There's passion flower is wonderful. Lemon balm is an herbal tea. It's also known to help combat viruses, so it's an antiviral. Another good tea to be drinking at this time, and sipping them, and sipping warm water throughout the day. And you know, now that we're home and everyone is quarantined, it's a good time to go online find the many, many wonderful. Meditation videos or yoga videos. Take even ten minutes. You know, people say, "Oh, I can't meditate for forty minutes." No need to. Start with five minutes of just sitting quiet and just trying to focus on your breathing. Pull up a yoga video. Try to do some yoga poses. And in addition to that, you know, while you're home, if you can't indulge some hobbies, just things, do things to really take your mind off of. What's happening, and I think that goes for anxiety in general. You know, anxiety comes from focusing on a thought, focusing on a problem, and it just multiplies. So, the best thing that you can do is try to break that cycle. And so, all of these things in combination will help, in addition to nutrition. Again, going back to food, sugar causes not only inflammation in the body, but it, it can cause anxiety because it, it revs you up. So, you want to try to eat healthy, not too many carbs, focus on fruits and vegetables and some good protein. And that'll also make you feel better. So there's a bunch of things that you can do. And self-massage too is is something very interesting. Self-massage with some oils every day helps to really ground the body.
0: You know, I've been taking notes.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm taking notes. Oh, and you know, uh, Beverly, there is one other thing that I have that wasn't in my book because it wasn't popular at the time. But uh, when I do a rewrite, I will certainly add it. Um, CBD. Ah. CBD is really, really helpful. And I always tell people, you have to choose a reputable brand and start in very low doses because now they have there's so much information out there. And CBD is very effective for
0: anxiety. Oh, that's good to know. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think it's important, you know, during this time just to take
1: some good self care. Taking care of your body and your mind. Don't forget your mind in that process. Your thoughts. You don't only digest food, but you also digest thoughts. So taking good self care is going to keep your immune system functioning optimally. And right now, Even if you're self-quarantining, you may have to go out every once in a while to pick up groceries or to do whatever. You want to make sure that you have an immune system that's functioning the best it can function and stress decreases your immune system function. So try to do whatever
0: you can to relieve that stress and we'll get through this. Let me ask you one last question. What advice would you give people who find themselves unemployed? for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I know that's such a difficult time for so many people. I think if you're home, hopefully try to use your online resources, maybe join some organizations online. I always recommend networking is, is the best thing you can do for your career. There's plenty of chat groups. I'm noticing more and more popping up online. So if you can hone in on what work you want to do, what work you're currently doing, or if you're out of work, and, and tap into those networks and those online resources. But again, along with that, Continue to practice the self-care because I think the two really go together and it's really important to be in a calmer place. But again, if now is the time to utilize online resources.
0: No, you're absolutely right. One of the things in using online resources that people have to be careful of, we must be careful of maintaining as pristine a digital footprint as you can looking for work if you're looking for employment if you're if you're trying to get promoted where you are you don't want your future supervisor to see any unflattering shall we call them images online or any language that might not cast you in a favorable light the internet is just a marvelous a marvelous tool but we have to be very careful what we do with um our presence on it because it can come back to haunt us
1: yes and a couple of companies i worked for had did, did admit that they searched facebook for people they were considering hiring and you know i wasn't sure at the time if that was you know legal i don't know look it's a, i guess that's a question for you but they do it and they were they found in flattering pictures or even political views you know, you have to be very careful with that because you're putting that out there. And who knows if the hiring manager disagrees with your political views, they just may cast your resume aside. So
0: you have to be really careful about that. I recommend against discussing politics or religion or sex at work, right? You don't know when it's going to come back to bite you. That's Even true. with your friends, you don't know what your friends' political persuasions or how they feel about particular religions. There are too many other things to discuss. Exactly, and Beverly, I'm putting a question to you. I'm curious.
1: Do you recommend that people shut down their Facebook pages when
0: they're looking for work? No, I okay. don't suggest that they shut them down. Unless that, I suggest that they review them to right. see whether anything that may cause a problem. And you know what, now that I think about it, to your point, it may not be a bad idea to shut them down because I find that people are not objective when they view their digital footprint. You know, the first thing they go to is freedom of speech. Right. And yet you have a right to believe and to say certain things, but other people have a right to make judgments about what you say and make decisions based on what you say. So if you don't think that you are good at policing your digital footprint and you haven't been circumspect in making sure that it conveys an image that any employer would be satisfied with, then shut it down and be careful going forward. I understand that there may be some uh, vendors that can help you clean up your digital presence, I don't know whether it works, yeah, so that's interesting. I didn't know that, but
1: that is that would be a great idea, especially if they're they have a large digital footprint, I imagine,
0: yeah, so I mean, you know it's a personal choice. People do what they uh feel that they should do, you know right. what they have a right to do, but if you if you stand on your right to have free speech and to express yourself as you want. You're entitled to that. You are definitely entitled to that. But there may be consequences that you may be aware of and you may not be aware of. And you may not get the job you want because you stood on your, on your right to express yourself. You have every right to do so. And it's better safe than sorry in my estimation. But that's just my opinion. Right, right. Well, Maria, I think that's about it. Unless you have anything else that you want to share, I've just so enjoyed this. Yes, me too. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. This has been been fun. And I, you know, I think I'm going to invite you back I, because you, you know, everybody's going through stress and we need help. We oh, need I'd talk. Love to. Yes, we all have to help each other. Exactly. We're in this together. Thank you so much, Maria. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question or suggestion, you can reach me at BAWilliams at matters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on Amazon.com and and BarnesandNoble.com join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.